Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Easter 2022. My name is Joe Wood. I'm the senior pastor of the Vineyard Community Church. I'm excited to be here. I was thinking about this uh, this morning as I was anticipating um, actually the last Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and now Easter Sunday messages. And, and I was thinking, man, it has been 45 years ago that I surrendered my life to Jesus. And every day I'm getting up and especially in the, in the uh, Easter season, I'm asking myself, what am I doing with the life that God gave me. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, when, when somebody gives you something, gives you a little bit of money or something, you have a choice. You can spend it all on yourself or you can make a difference in, in people's lives, you know. And, I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have some fun in life and everything has to be uh, overtly altruistic. But at the end of the day, there comes a place where it's okay for me to ask myself and say, Lord, what am I doing that's making a difference? Um, you know, I had somebody tell me that our church is a pretty young church, and it's like, yeah, but man, I'm going to be 62 this year, and I'll tell you right now, I'm counting on the next 18 years, and I'm checking out. It's like, Lord, bring me home. So really, the question when I get up is, God, what am I going to do with these next 18 years? What can I do to make a difference? How can I use my life to bring glory and honor to you? And Easter Sunday is one of those holidays, it's the holiday, that just makes that question ring inside of my heart. Green, palm leaves, lilies, I don't know about you, but I hope you're not allergic to lilies because I, I have an addiction to lilies. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm addicted to that. Um, and so when the staff is like, we have to have lilies, I was asking the worship team, could they like hold them and sing? Could they do that? You know, because I love lilies. Came in this morning really early, and they were all stored in one little conference room over there. And, uh, and it was just like, wow, Lord, I'm just feeling your presence. And so I thought, I'm going in the room. And I walked in there, shut the door, and sat down. And I'm just in there going, breathing it all in. So I'm real happy today. I don't know if that's legal or illegal, but there's some pollen in the lilies. But lilies make me happy. And so I'm there, and, and, and I'm saying, hey, I want to read this passage to you, and I'm praying that Easter is one of those holidays that affects you like it's affecting me, okay? But I want to read this whole passage just because Jesus, all right? We, uh, we alluded to this. Um, uh, MJ um, shared just a little bit on stage on Friday night when we had our Good Friday service, but it comes out of the book of Isaiah. It's just the last couple of verses of uh, chapter 52, and then it's 53. And I just want to encourage you to listen to everything that this says about Jesus and who he is. And listen, honestly, what he looked like and what it looked like when they crucified him and all the things so you get a feel. Um, you know, Mel Gibson did a great job at his movie the passion and you know we're not throwing clips up that that was something everybody did in the 90s but yeah I'm just saying there's a place for us to stop and realize what Easter meant for us and what Easter meant for him in the book of Isaiah chapter 52 the scripture reads see my servant will act wisely he will be raised as you mean raised and lifted up and highly exalted just as there were many who were appalled at him his appearance was also disfigured beyond that of any man disfigured that's what the beating did to him disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness that's what's going on so he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him for what they were not told they will see and what they have not um, heard they will understand who has believed our message have you have you believed this message that christ came and died for you 
And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Jesus was not good looking. I can't emphasize that enough. Isaiah made a real point of it. He's not good looking. Okay? He was nothing about him that we should be attracted to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. But he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow, familiar with suffering, like one whom men hide their faces from. Wow. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. And each one of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and who can speak of his descendants for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people he was stricken he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death though he had done no violence nor was any deceit found in his mouth yet it was the lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer and though the lord makes his life a guilt offering he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the lord will prosper in his hand after the suffering of his soul he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many he will bear their iniquity therefore i will give him a portion of among the great, he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And that's that man, that's a story of who Jesus is and what he had to go through and what was going on. And man, that was a I mean, just a difficult time. You know, we, we try to capture the thought of what did it mean for God, and, and this is the reality. What did it mean for God to pour out his wrath? that he had to pour out on each one of us as we faced him in judgment. And he took all of that for all the years before Jesus came and all of the years afterward. He took all that wrath and he poured it out on Jesus. So every sin that's ever going to be committed is just as paid for as every sin that has been committed. It's just whether or not we're willing to confess our sins where he'll be faithful and just to forgive us for our sins. Will we do that? Is that the kind of people that we're going to be? And so um, in, in this story, I shared this um, Friday night, uh, in this story, in the Easter season, I relate more than any other time in my life, I relate to a given disciple, and it's Peter. I relate so much to Peter as a disciple and a follower of Jesus just simply because, I'm going I'm to be honest with you, okay? Just like Peter, I feel like I am always screwing it up. I'm the one that the Lord is saying, Joe, I need you to sit down and shut up. I feel like I'm the one that the Lord is saying, Joe, I need you to not use so many words. Joe, don't be so quick to act. Uh, let me finish the sentence first before you get up from your prayer. And I'm like, Lord, I know what you want to do. We're going to go do And he's like, be still. This is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And I feel that from Peter never more than in the Easter story. I think about Peter's experience. He walked with Jesus. He was a fisherman. He walked with Jesus. He rebuked Jesus. He was willing to die for Jesus. He ate the Last Supper with Jesus. He went to the garden with Jesus, but he couldn't stay awake. For not even an hour, Jesus said, come on, guys. 
Not even an hour. Can we just pray together? I don't know if you've ever been to a prayer meeting. You know, at church Wednesday night, and it's like, oh, it's prayer meeting night, isn't it? We're not going to sing. We're just going to, and you're just like, you know, you're clocking out, you know? Well, imagine the disciples, and they don't know what's about to happen. They just had a meal. Their little bellies are full, and, and you know, they had a question, like, who's going to uh, deny them? But at that time, this is where they were. Peter watched Jesus get arrested. Wow. <clears throat> Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus looked across the courtyard right in Peter's face when it happened. I cannot imagine that. And to sum the whole thing up, the rooster crowed, the rock rolled, the sun rose, but the world was saved. That's Peter's experience. Wow. Because on Easter Sunday morning, when the ladies went down to finish getting Jesus ready for burial, and I don't know who they thought was going to move that rock for them, they showed up, and he wasn't there. And the angel was there saying, hey, listen, you need to go back and tell the boys that he's risen just as he said. And as he, there he headed back, now Jesus showed up and said, Mary. And they laid down and grabbed a hold of his feet. And he said, let go of my feet. Let go of my feet. I haven't risen from the dead yet. I haven't ascended into heaven yet. I'm not glorified yet. Let go of my feet. Go back and tell the boys to meet me in Galilee. And she goes running back and says, the Lord's risen. And I'm not sure what happened at that point. Two of them left. Nine of them stayed there. Did they look at him and say, dude, do you think they're serious? Do you think, did something happen that, you know, they're dehydrated and hallucinating? Should we go check this out? But the scripture says they took off running. And because John's the one writing the gospel, and you know how we are when we're telling our story, right? It says Peter got to the, I mean, excuse me, it says John outran Peter. Because John's writing the story. I was faster than Peter, and I beat him to the tomb. But Peter's not as smart as me. He ran straight in. He can't, he can't celebrate Passover. He went in where dead people are. That was the point. That's why John stopped. That's why he parked it at the, tomb, at the entrance of the tomb. Hold up. If you go in there, you can't eat the Passover. You'll be unclean. Peter didn't care. Just like, you know, when he got out of the boat. Lord, if that's you, come. Out he goes. At that point, 11 other people stayed in the boat. And I don't know about you, but I'm walking on the water. I'm getting out with Peter. I might drown, but I'm not staying with those guys because that boat's going to sink. Seriously, read that scripture. It's there, Matthew 14. I don't want to get into it, but here we are. And that's the story. This is Peter's passion. This is his expectation of Jesus. And Jesus is going to be this massive leader. He wanted to adore Jesus, but he rebuked him. He said, Jesus, you're not going to die. And so Jesus turns around and rebukes him back. And this is what he says in the book of Mark. Then Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man, after they had their last supper, which was not the Passover meal. Okay, let's get that out of our heads. That was not the Passover meal because the other gospel says that they had to take his body down off the cross because it was almost time to, for the preparation for the Passover meal. Okay, so kind of get that in your head. And we're talking about Wednesday, not Friday, and I don't mean to break anybody's heart, okay? But you can't be dead in the grave for three days from Friday to Sunday. It's not possible. Well, yes, Pastor Joe, if you count the, day, if you count the days like four hours a day, you can. But the truth of the matter is, even 24-hour days, you gotta, you got to bury the guy on Wednesday so that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, he's in the tomb. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, Jesus said. Three whole days. So must the Son of Man be buried. Why? Because we have to make sure he's dead. Nobody can say, uh, he wasn't quite dead yet. 
Because they believed that if he wasn't dead for three days, if a person wasn't dead for three days, then their spirit came back in them. I'm not just making this stuff up. You can go find out. Okay? So that's what's going on. But then we have Jesus teaching them after this meal, and he says, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. And he spoke very plainly about this, and Peter took him inside and began to rebuke him. No, 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 this is not the plan. This is not what we're going to do. We're going to take over. We're going to get those people out of public office. It's going to stop. We're going to get this world the way I want it so it's comfortable for me because this is what God wants, me to be comfortable. And, and Jesus takes into him. He just is like, enough's enough. But when Jesus says, uh, 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 it says, get behind me, Satan, he said, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but just human concerns. See, he wanted him to set up a, 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 a government on earth. And, and Jesus saying, not going to happen. That's not part of the plan of the kingdom of God. And we got to kind of get that out of our own hearts as well. Peter was going the right way for all the wrong reasons. We're right in the middle of a sermon series toward the end of it, actually. Are we going the right way? Because John the Baptist had enough sense to send somebody to Jesus to say, listen, I'm about to die. Can you please ask Jesus, I got this right. Are you the one? Then we should have enough sense to say, let's look at the teachings of Jesus. Are we, we, not Jesus, are we going the right way, because Peter was going the right way, but for all the wrong reasons. Last Supper. It would appear that the, the, the disciples wanted a political upheaval, but Jesus rebukes them. And I love this story in the book of Luke. You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging, thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And I like that because the devil's coming after you. He is. The devil's coming after you constantly. And, and Jesus says, but I prayed for you. And he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison to death. And that's when Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. But he said, but I have prayed for you. But I have prayed for you. And that's important. And so when I was thinking about Easter and up from the grave he arose, and what does it mean to you and I? And what, what could be our message today? And I said, Lord, what, what, what do we go home with? What do we go to Easter dinner with? What do we talk about when we leave on out of here? What do we write down and look at in, in a couple of weeks and say, is this what God is actually saying to me? And I want to be able to say to you, like Peter said, let him who speaks do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I want to be able to stand up here and say, I believe with all of my heart that this is what the Holy Spirit told me a couple of of weeks ago when I was praying and writing to, to share with you. And this is what I want to share with you. Here it is. Because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, this is the truth that John wants us to know. I've been restored. I've been restored. The word restored, it means to give back, to return, to put or bring back into existence or use. Number three is the one I like. To bring back to or put into a former or original state. To renew. And the fourth one is to put again in possession of something. But that third one, I mean, we're talking about original state. Oh, the joy that we get put back into our original state in our relationship with God. And I began to think about that because at one time, Adam and Eve walked with God. At one time, he, they walked with him in the garden, just like I'm walking around up on this stage. At one time, there was a time when God came in in the cool of the evening and was walking around, and Adam and Eve could see God right there. 
There he was. They could go sit at his feet. They could go follow him around. They could go be with God. At one point, they could talk face to face with God. At one point, they enjoyed God's company. At one point, they picnicked in the garden with God. Lord, we got this fruit off this tree you made. Won't you sit down and let's all have something to eat? Let's just chill for a little bit. Let's just hang out here in this spot. Can you imagine the time when God could reach out and lay his hands on to get a hold of Adam and Eve because he loved them so, so much? Wow. I can't comprehend feeling the arms of God around me as I walk into heaven. Can you imagine God celebrating you? I said a couple of weeks ago, we don't celebrate enough in our lives anymore. And I asked you, how do you celebrate God? But I think that you need to capture the idea that God celebrates you. When you come into his presence, he celebrates you. Can't you just hear his voice saying, there you are. People will walk into a room one of two ways. I'm here or, hey, there you are. I've been looking at you. And the way that they walk into that room will let you know what's inside of their heart. Do they walk in lifting you up and celebrating you? Or do they walk in saying, celebrate me? But God says, I will celebrate you when you come into the room. I will put my arms around you. This is my child who is dead and now is alive. And he has come home and we have to celebrate. This is my child. The goal of Christianity is not to stay on the planet. It's to go home. And to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful language. I keep imagining, probably because of the, the, the um, trigger from my youth, but to have God, to have God my Father put his arms around me and say, I love you. Welcome home to the place that I pre- prepared for you since the foundation of the world. I'm trying to wrap my, my head around that because that, that physical touch is, is my primary love language, according to Gary Smalley. You know, that's me. Walk up. And God puts his arms and says, man, around me and says, man, I've been waiting for you. Some of you are like, oh, don't touch me. You know, I'm, physical touch is not my language. You're going to be in so much trouble in heaven because he's going to put the hug on you and it's going to be awful. And you're going to be like, oh, no, don't go. He's going to be like, no, you're home. You're home. And he's going to be so excited to know that God wants to be in a relationship with me so much that he paid the price, that he wants to love me. How can I not love him back? Look what it says in the book of Hebrews, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Jesus, consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners so that you won't go, grow weary and lose heart. At the end of the day, I have been restored to God. You often will hear me say, what does the Bible say about what the Bible says? It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And the cross was not the joy you are. You are the joy set before Jesus that day. The joy set before him was your restoration to the family. Easter is all about restoration for all of us. Back into his family, but then we let him transform us in accordance to his plan. Because Jesus has died and and was raised from the dead, and I think this is one, man, grab a hold of this one. Jesus sat down. I love that. I don't know about you. You all sat down. You came in. You sat down, right? Come on, we're on like song four this morning, and some of you are like, can we just please sit down? Yeah, and now I know who it was because you're laughing. 
And you're like, dude, he just checked into my heart. How did he know that? Well, because I'm a human being, and I've got two new hips this you know, last year and a half. And so I know what that means. Like, come on, MJ, would you? No, not really. I could stand up and worship all day long until I fall over. But here's the point. We sat down, and we rested from our standing up, right? And, and the Scripture will tell us that's exactly what Jesus did. See, you sit down when you change activities. You sit down when it's time to rest. You sit down when you fellowship. You sit down when you share a meal. You sit down when work is over. You drive home, and you've been working all day, and you walk in, and the dogs all come and greet you, and the children greet you, and your spouse greets you, and everybody greets you, and you just go over, and you just back up to the couch, and you flop into the couch and sit down. Because you need to rest. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus worked and worked and worked for 33 and a half years. And then he worked for another five years inside of one week, just about is what it must have felt like to him. And then he got brutalized beyond anything that you and I can understand, who for the joy set before him endured the brutalization, anticipating the chance when he would get to set down. And you don't set down until your work is done. And Jesus set down down. It is finished, Lord. Thank you. We did it. Dad, we did it. Abba Father, we did it. It's finished. Jesus is not standing. Jesus is not pacing. Jesus is not worried. Jesus is not needy. He's not full of anxiety, of doubt. He is firmly seated on the throne. Check this out always interceding on your behalf. Just leaning over and saying, that's one of mine, Dad. Don't listen to the devil. That's one of mine. He's calm. He's in control. He is all authority. He's interceding for you because it's finished. Teltelestai is the Greek word. In the doing, it is done. It's finished. The payment is made. According to the book of Hebrews, we enter that rest when we believe where I came from, why I'm here, and where I'm going. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. To obey his commands, and they are not a burden. He said, I've come to give you life that you might have it abundantly. In an abundance, does that describe life for you right now? Jesus said, my peace I give you. I don't give you peace as the world gives you peace. The world gives you peace this way. He who has the biggest stick, right, makes everybody sit down and be quiet. And that's not the peace that God gives us. Is there peace and rest in your soul? Jesus sat down. Look at the book of Hebrews. Let me, let me just go back up there. The book of Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact rep representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. The last thing that I want to share with you before we finish our celebration is because Jesus died and was raised from the dead, Isaiah said that there's healing for you. Isaiah said there's healing. Joe Wood didn't say there was healing. Your granny didn't say there was healing. Other pastors in town didn't say there was healing. God said there was healing. Isaiah 53 says, but he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our sin, our iniquity. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray, however, each one of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon the Lord, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So there is healing for us, but we all like sheep have gone astray, the scripture says. We've turned away from it. In the garden, Adam and Eve died three different deaths. They died their physical relationship to God. It was done. He couldn't be in their presence. He died, they died in their eternal relationship to God. They would die and be buried in the ground, and there would be hell for them. They died geographically in a close relationship with God because God threw them out of the garden and set uh, an angel at the mouth of the garden with a flaming sword to keep them from coming back in. But on Isaiah, excuse me, on Easter, Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. So physically, you and I have the opportunity to be healed. And listen, I don't understand everything that I know about that. I just know that God does actually through faith, by faith, however you want to call it, faith, heal people. He does. And we've got to stop not expecting it. I'm telling you right now, you can't open your Bible and tell me, yeah, but healing stopped right here in this verse. It hasn't. You say, it said, Paul said that, you know, these gifts will go away. Well, it says the gift of wisdom will too. Knowledge. But you don't seem to think that one left yet, unless you've been on social media lately. Then I know you know it's left. So then maybe you could say, yeah, I guess we do believe that all the gifts have left. I don't. I just think that we're not as hungry for God as we used to be, as a humanity. And if we were that kind of hungry, why do you think that God is always working and doing miracles around poor people? Because they don't have everything they want. Because if God does not move, it's not going to happen. And so they're a lot more open spiritually to things that are important, uh, that, that, that uh, will allow that to take place. God healed us physically, He heals us eternally. I'm not going to enter eternity. I have entered eternity. It's just what's the form that I'm going to have in eternity. It's not going to be this one. Scripture says that this corrupt body has to put on incorrupt. This corrupt flesh has to be changed from glory to glory before I can go home or on the way home. But it's not going in like this. And so I recognize that I have been changed by God and my eternity began when I said, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do now? That's when my eternity began. My eternity does not begin when I die. I have entered God's eternity by saying yes to him that I'm a sinner. Yes to him that I need his salvation. Yes to him that I receive it. And yes, Lord, what do you want from me now? That's when I entered God's eternity. For you and I, we recognize that relationally, geographically, we've been um, healed as well. I have a right standing before God Almighty in heaven. I'll face one judgment, not two judgments. I'll, chase, I'll, I'll face a great white throne judgment. I'd be happy to sit down and discuss that with you or hear your opinion on it. But the others are the wrath of God being poured out upon humanity. I'm not being judged for what I did and didn't do initially. I'm, I'm being judged, do I, am I covered by the blood? And then I come in and the Lord's going to say, now, let's talk about what you can do and not do in heaven because there were some things I asked you to do you didn't do. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm just saying that this is what I'm looking forward to. I have a right standing before God 
because Jesus Christ lives inside of my life, inside of my physical being. And Jesus said, I am in my disciples, and you, Father, are in me so that they can be brought to complete unity. We've got this whole spiritual commune going inside of us that we are using all of our humanity to push down and ignore, even though we go to church every Sunday. And the goal is to let God have his way through you because he wants to do some things for you as you join him, not as he joins you. You got saved and became part of the family, just like you gave birth to a baby and they became part of the family. They did not become the center of the family. And if they do, that might be some of our societal problems. They joined us. The babies joined us. We didn't join them. And when we keep that place in mind, healthy things happen in healthy families. Because of our wounds, he heals us. Jesus was wounded because of our sin, but he was also wounded for you and I, for healing and restoration. This is Easter, this is Easter according to Peter. The rooster crowed, the rock rolled, the sun rose, and the world is saved. The question is, will you accept it? Will you surrender to it? Not, not will you take it on and say, I got my Jesus. We've got a lot of people that will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they get up and they start telling God what he needs to do, and when he doesn't do it, they say, see, Christianity doesn't work. But that isn't even Christianity, not even a little bit. Man, I believe in the wealth of God. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the authority of God. I believe in asking God for incredibly stupid things that my wife would be embarrassed for you to know about that the Lord has done in our lives. And yet at the same time, I believe, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I believe, I believe when God said, Joe, I want you to empty that 401k, pour it into the kingdom of God and move a thousand miles to a state you've never lived in before. I believed that because I believe God can do greater things. I believe he can do powerful things. I believe he wants to do things in you. But when you get up because you've accepted Jesus and say, God, come on, let's go, step it, let's go, get this for me, get that for me. And then you say, it didn't work. It didn't work because... It's not about you. It's about God. And when we get up and we say, Lord, what do you want me to do now? We have purpose. What do you want me to do at work, Lord? What do you want me to do in my community? I had a farmer that asked me one time, you think that I just need to sit in my living room and just pray to God until, uh, uh, until I hear from God and he tells me this, that, or the other thing. Who's going to plow that field? And I said, did God call you to be a farmer? He said, I believe he did. I said, then don't you think that in the middle of your prayer, he's going to say, dude, get up and go plow that field. You spent enough time right here in your living room. He said, well, I, I guess maybe you're right. I guess he might just, some of you are called to be teachers, called to be teachers. Some of you called to be firemen, called to be doctors, called to be nurses, called to be. But that doesn't mean leave God at home means take him with you because where you're going people need to hear you don't got to stand on a soapbox but can you testify can you testify testify with peter that the rooster crowed the rock was rolled away the sun rose and that the world is saved and anybody out there can have a part of it that wants one because listen to me jesus loves you this i know or the bible tells me so I believe it so much that I've staked my whole life on it. And I will die believing it. And if I'm wrong, I hope I've made a difference in your life.
If I'm right, I hope I've made a difference in your life. But that's what we're after. And I want to encourage you. If you've been accepting Jesus all your life and you don't know why he won't do what you want to say, I just want to encourage you to reconsider and come to the Lord and say, God, I need to surrender to you. I don't like what I'm going through. It hasn't been easy. It's not been fun. It's probably not even been what God wanted. But we make choices on this world. And if we can get up from that and say, God, what do you want me to do with what I've been through? You can find purpose in your life. But don't let what happened yesterday be your identity that leads you into tomorrow. Don't let it happen. Don't do that. Embrace Jesus today and follow him into tomorrow if he gives us one. If he gives us one. I believe that God wants to change your life. And these prayer people are up here. And if you're here and you're like, man, I hear what you're saying about that accept, surrender thing. And I don't think I've ever. Or if you're here going, man, my mom dragged me in here. And I went to church when I was a kid. But, you know, I've never done this. And I'm just trying to get to Easter dinner, Pastor Joe. Hey, Easter dinner would be a whole lot better if you surrender your life to Jesus before you go to it. I'm just saying. So why don't we come up to our feet? We're going to sing this song. These prayer people are up here, and they would love to pray with you. And if you're like, well, by his stripes I'm healed, and I've still got this sickness, let them pray for you. And if you're like, by his stripes I'm healed, but I've still got this financial problem, let them pray for you. If you're like, whatever it might be, let them pray for you. You just come on up here while we're singing this song. It'll be a great thing. Let's just have a word of prayer before we go into the song. Father, we just want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for Easter. We want to thank you for lilies. We want to thank you for worship music. We want to thank you for a sacrifice of praise. We want to thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. We want to thank you that your glory is here. We want to thank you that your children are here. And we just ask and pray that you would move us and change us from who we are into who you want us to be. Jesus' name. Amen.